1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: Yes, we're back. And thanks for hanging out with us. It's Shira.
0: And I am Sheila. How cute. Changing my identity. Today.
3: You know what? A lot of people, actually, that's a name. If if they can't pronounce my name or they just heard it, maybe. They call maybe, you Sheila? Sheila's been one of them. Really? Shira's been another.
0: And I don't that, understand yeah. that. I, I, every time we have a guest on and they just don't hear it or, like, they look at it and they say Shira. I'm like, what? It it's literally says Shira. No, it's not. You're a, my SHD. first Shira. I'm so happy. That's an honor. You know what I mean? You know. I don't know if you're going to be the better Shear if I meet other Shears. No, I won't. But you're my first one. I and will. And normally, it's kind of like having your first child. <laughs> when mean, It gets better when you have more kids. I broke you in. So, who knows? To the other there man. may be other Shears ready to swap in. And ta- you know, actually, it's so funny we're talking right. about names. I've been having discussion about whether I should go by, like, my Ryan yes. A. Mitchell or just Ryan Mitchell. I remember this. I get so many... Um, I just get a lot of Google alerts just for, like, obituaries, just for simply Ryan Mitchell. Oh, no. Like, do you know how many Ryan Mitchells there are <laughs> sure there in are this country? Maybe that's a sign. I mean, someone told me, though, you're the only Ryan Mitchell that matters, though. I'm exactly. like, exactly. tell that to the people in the obituary. But it's very rude to say. What? <laughs> Why don't you call yourself Slay Mitchell? <laughs> no, I don't. That's like so. I'm not going by Slay God forever.
3: I know. You Although know? that'd be fun if you're like eighty years old and he's like, am you know, I
0: dad. That'd, that'd be slay amazing. Slay on.
3: Come on, we all want to know an eighty-year-old sleigh
0: guy. <laughs> What's coming up on today's well, show? Well,
3: a legal expert is giving his take on the whole Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial right now, we've been wanting to know like, who's going to win. It's like, so
0: uncomfortable but I yeah, know. I can't help it's like watching a train wreck.
3: Yep, that's in 30 minutes and how to find a side hustle and make it work that's at 3.35pm Pacific 6, 35pm Eastern and so many other things. We're also talking about if you make a mistake at work, how to deal with it because that could create lots of anxiety also mm-hmm. so just hang out with us, listen to some good music and just keep us in on the background wherever you are. Let's get into some much trending this hour though, right now. Saudi Arabia has asked Disney to cut LGBTQ references from Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness because it can be before it can be screamed there, but denied earlier reports of the film has been banned. Disney has so far declined the requested edits to the sequel, slated for release around the world next week. The cuts amount to barely 12 seconds, where a lesbian character, America Chavez, played by actor Zochittl. Gomez, I totally might have butchered that name, refers to her two moms. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, this is a consistent thing that they do in some of these places like Saudi Arabia, but it seems like Disney is not backing down this
0: time. Which is good. I mean, if they do, they know that it's going to be, like, bad press for them.
3: It's also, at a certain point, like, I get it culturally, or sometimes there's, like, a a religious reason, uh, but at a certain point, someone needs to say something. We can't just keep changing these things um, for the comfort of those of people if they want to enjoy the full movie and embrace the culture they need to embrace everything that's part of it right right I agree. moving on to joe biden the president and the biden administration called on congress to provide an additional 33 billion dollars in security economic and humanitarian aid to support ukraine in response to the russian invasion
4: it's critical this funding gets approved and approved as quickly as possible you know long before russia lost launched its brutal invasion i uh, i made clear how the united states would respond predicted they would invade and uh, they surely did we said we'd not send us troops to fight russian troops in ukraine but we would provide robust military assistance and try to unify the western world against russia's aggression i said i would impose powerful sanctions on russia and that we'd destroy and develop we destroy this myth that somehow they can continue to move without the rest of the world acting.
3: Now, moving on to Oklahoma, the Oklahoma house gave final approval today to a Texas style abortion ban that prohibits the procedure after about six weeks of pregnancy before many women know they're even pregnant. Governor Kevin Stitt is expected to sign the bill within days. It's dubbed the Oklahoma Heartbeat Act and it prohibits abortions once cardiac activity can be detected in the fetus, which experts say is roughly six weeks into a pregnancy. A similar bill approved in Texas last year led to uh, a dramatic reduction in the number of abortions performed in that state, sending many women seeking the procedure to Oklahoma and other surrounding states. And now, of course, if this passes, they'll have to find even other places. That was what's trending this hour, what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan.
0: Oh, my God. Olivia Wilde just had the most embarrassing thing happen to her (laughs) at CinemaCon in Vegas. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, Olivia was stunned to be served custody papers by her ex, Jason Sudeikis, while on stage at CinemaCon. Uh, The Ted Lasso star's lawyers hired a process server to hand crucial documents over to Wilde concerning their two young children. Children, but Wilde wasn't left shocked. Uh, was left shocked when the server tracked her down to Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, where she was promoting her new movie, Don't Worry, Darling, which of course stars her current boyfriend, Harry Styles. Oh, awkward. However, sources tell Page Six that Tedekis had no knowledge of the plans and would quote never condone while being served in such an quote inappropriate manner. She was handed a Manila envelope from a woman who slid it on stage in the middle of the presentation asking her, this is for me? After opening the documents, Wilde carry, uh, carried on without blinking and showed the trailer of the film she directed, starring her boyfriend Harry Styles and Florence Pugh, which was greeted with huge applause from the crowd. Now, if you don't know, Olivia and Sudeikis split back in November 2020 after seven years together. They were engaged and co-parent their uh, their children. A source told page six that these papers were drawn uh, up to actually establish jurisdiction relating to the children of Miss Wilde and Mr. Sudeikis. Mr. Sudeikis Jake has had no prior knowledge of the time or place that the envelope would have been delivered, as this would solely be up to the process service company involved, and he would never condone her being served in such an inappropriate oh manner. Oh my
3: God, I can't believe this.
0: This is a major, major mess up. However, it does happen. It happened to Sierra at L.A. Pride like, a few, like, uh, like maybe five, six years ago. During the actual During thing. her performance. Like, like the, a fan came up acting like we were going to, n- and no. literally, instead of shaking her hand, handed her. But it's like, can't you just
3: wait like, until a person papers. is off stage, or is that the only way to get to them? I mean, that's it's so the, weird. The
0: process needs kinda to be changed. kind of the only way to get to them, if you think about it.
3: It needs to be changed. Like, someone needs to innovate the divorce process. It's a
0: little strange. It is,
3: including if you're like a high profile person. Yeah, it sucks.
0: I mean, now they're doing an investigation to see how that person even got in because yeah. apparently they had credentials and everything. That's your, oh, your wow. team report. We got more coming up next hour, so stick around for that.
3: Well, Biden has granted clemency uh, to a bunch of people this week. It's the first during his uh, him being president. And so we're going to talk more about who he um, granted clemency to and how that will impact his strategy with prison reform. That's next.
2: Let's go there with Shira and
3: Ryan, Channel Q. Okay, Biden has granted clemency to 78 people this week, including nonviolent drug offenders. Here to share more is opinion columnist Eugene Scott from the Washington Post. Thanks for being here.
5: Thanks for having me.
3: So tell us why the president did this this week. Was it timely?
5: Well, uh, we know this is something the White House has been working on for a while. Uh, and uh, it is Second Chance Month, uh, which is an uh, opportunity to rethink uh, criminal justice reform and the sentencing process that uh, so many uh, advocates have required or should I say uh, demanded that political figures reevaluate. And he certainly wanted to uh, use this opportunity to communicate to so many of the voters uh, who chose him because of um, where he fell on issues of criminal justice reform to let them know that he still heard them.
0: Interesting. So is any of this, I guess, what he did different from what we've seen like Trump do in the past?
5: Well, you know, the reality is most of the people that Trump pardoned are or whose uh, census he commuted were political allies of him, uh, of his his own, or, you know, people that he uh, favored because they were celebrities or famous and uh, pretty, you know, consistent with much of uh, how former President Trump led his uh, administration. These individuals, these nonviolent drug offenders that, Uh, Biden uh, commuted their sentences. And and these three people that he pardoned uh, weren't political allies of the president. They are people whose sentences are consistent with what most criminal justice advocates would say were unjust, unfair sentences. And uh, he wanted to uh, set a tone um, for what pardoning could look like in his administration.
3: So what happens now that uh, these individuals were granted clemency?
5: Well, you know most will enter some type of program uh that could make transitioning back into you know everyday life easier and I think that's a really important point of what uh Biden did. It's much attention is on these individuals uh He also announced several programs that could uh benefit you know veterans and help individuals find housing and health care. Uh, all of these type of things that decreases the likelihood of them returning to um, prison and, or and a life, you know, of criminal activity. And so um, that is what, these individuals will be focused on moving forward. Wow.
0: Yeah. So let's actually talk about the three people that he pardoned, because I think in the midst of conversations around how black voters are, you know, have been viewing the Biden administration, a calling for more from him to do more that, you know, he promised the black community. Um, talk about the people that he pardoned, especially with this system that is tied to disproportionately harming people of color.
5: Sure. So, uh, the, I'm going to talk about two in particular, the, the one that got the most attention probably was Abraham Bolden. Uh, he was the first black person, um, on a presidential secret service detail and he, uh, was charged with trying to sell, um, you know, a secret service file, a copy of a secret service file. And, uh, he denied it the entire time. And, and, and even the key witnesses that were used uh, by the prosecution, admitted to lying um, at the request of the prosecutor. And the reason why it's believed that Bolden was charged and targeted is because he was drawing attention to the racism that existed uh, in the Secret Service uh, agency in the 1960s. He was serving during John F. Kennedy's presidency. And so uh, he was someone who spoke out against law enforcement As an insider, and and one thing we've probably learned over the past few years uh, covering law enforcement is that there's a code of uh, silence within law enforcement. You don't, you know, snitch or tell, and he he did. And so he was uh, charged and and served time for something he said he did not do. Um, And so that got the most attention. But I think one that I was very interested in um, was Betty Jo Bogans. She's a 51-year-old woman from Houston, Um, who was convicted about 1998, so 20-plus years ago, um, with intent to distribute crack cocaine. And she had no prior uh, conviction, um, but she was trying to transport the drugs for her boyfriend and one of his friends, and neither of them was detained or arrested, but she got convicted. Um, And she was a single mother, and, you know, she has endured cancer treatments, and she's since, you know found work consistently since um, being released. But I, I think that's a perfect example of one of the ways that the criminal justice system has just been unfair to marginalized people, not just people of color, but women. I mean, there are multiple cases of women getting harsh sentences for aiding their then partners while their partners uh, essentially got away with it.
3: It's just crazy when you hear some of these stories, really, and the, and the lives and time that has been lost so how does this tie into the administration's uh, future strategy around criminal justice reform?
5: Well, I think we're going to see uh, the Biden White House continue to, um, you know, try to commute the synthesis of nonviolent drug offenders for, for a few reasons. There, there seems to be a lot of support um, on the left and some on the right that people should not be doing wrong prison sentences for drug possession, um, as has been the case in the past. And, and you know, quite frankly, they the president probably doesn't want a lot of attention paid to this, but he will probably be spending the rest of his political career trying to right the wrongs that he uh, helped put into place when he was in the Senate and helped implement really harsh uh, laws for drug possession. And so a, a bit of this is about him trying to, you know, correct some of the things that he would probably not want remembered as a part of his legacy.
3: All right. That was opinion columnist from the Washington Post, Eugene Scott. Thank you so much.
5: Thank you.
0: Well, coming up next, we keep hearing about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and all the legal drama. But what do legal experts think? That's coming up next. Don't go
2: anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You're, oh. We
3: are back. And of course, unless
2: you've been living under a rock... <laughs>
3: which some of us hopefully you maybe disconnect but Johnny Depp and Amber Heard the Hollywood uh, former Hollywood couple that are in a legal battle Johnny Depp suing Heard for defamation and trying to get like 50 million dollars so who could win this because the videos coming out of this whole thing and just following the trial makes you wonder who's actually the winner here well Jacob Shamsian joins us right now legal correspondent at Insider thanks for being here
6: Thanks for having me.
3: Okay, so you've been covering all of this. It's pretty wild, right? I don't think I've ever seen uh, this public of a trial for a Hollywood couple like this.
6: Yeah, I mean, me watching this every single day, I'm like, I have secondhand embarrassment for everyone. It's, (laughs) you know, seeing all this come out, it's kind of like, I really wish all this behind closed doors because it's like so personal and so vicious um, and just like so detailed and so intense. It's, it's, um, it's. I've never seen anything like this.
0: Well, yeah, because I, I guess I'm not really sure what they're suing each other for. If I'm being quite honest, is this a is this a domestic violence case? I know it's defamation; it's a defamation trial. But what what do what are both parties wanting? Can you break that down?
6: Yeah. So the way it breaks down is um, in 2018, Amber Heard Heardworth, heard this op-ed in the Washington Post, in which she said, "I was a, domestic, a victim of domestic violence." And, you know, I know what it's like to be silenced. This is at the height of the Me Too period. Um, and even though she didn't name Johnny Depp, Johnny Johnny Depp and virtually everyone else understood it to be a reference to her experience with Johnny Depp, with, which ended in divorce in 2016 uh, when she alleged that he hit him and had, 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 had hit her and hit her multiple times uh, throughout the relationship. Um, so Johnny Depp is saying, you the me with this op-ed. Um, I never... Hit you, and in fact, you hit me. Uh, And so she is counter. Then she then countersued him, saying, "No, you did hit me here. You know, ten plus specific occasions over that." Um, The countersuit isn't exactly being heard now. The judge is going to rule on it after this trial. But Johnny Depp is bringing his case, and obviously, um, in Amber Heard's defense case, they're being quite aggressive as well.
3: Yeah, they're saying that she has borderline personality disorder. And so how could that impact the case right now?
6: Yeah, so I, I mean, it's it's like one, one of the things that's at issue here is that Amber Heard is saying, you know, Johnny Zapp was drunk and high and when he was drunk and high. He got into this rage and he would hurt me. And, and and Johnny is saying, no, she's like manipulative. She's lying. And uh, she she was an alcoholic and she's prone to all these things. And so Amber had her own uh, psychological evaluation done where um, a, a, a psychologist who she consulted with said she has PTSD, which she attributed to her um, relationship with Johnny Depp. And so what happened was uh, Johnny Depp was able to get his own uh, psychologist and an, an independent one to evaluate her. And this, this psychologist said she was kind of exaggerating PTSD symptoms. and In fact, she has borderline personality disorder. And the markers of the specific test I gave her over uh, you know, a period of time Indicated that she was like prone to violence and you know wow. had personalities, uh, personality disorder and, and traits associated with everything that lines up with what Johnny Depp is saying.
0: This is the moment what we're talking about. We're all kind of embarrassed for everyone involved because it just feels like we're in, <laughs> our, in their business in ways that I did not necessarily want to be. Do you think that they'll actually reach any decision that will help both parties at this point, or is it going to turn out to be a settlement? What are your predictions?
6: You know, well, it's too late for a settlement. Um, I think, I think for Johnny Depp, one thing that I'm constantly thinking about is like, for him, you know, he was once one of the top Hollywood stars. He had, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. He had, uh, Fantastic Beasts, which obviously he was like kicked out of because he says of, um, of, of, of Amber Heard's claims. And so for him, you know, he, he was in Minamita. Last year, which Johnny Depp fans loved, but no one else knew existed, and even they like you know got good reviews. And he wants to be on top again. He wants to kind of reclaim his name, and he sees this, he sees airing this all out, as the only way to do that. Um, I mean, I don't think he comes off as particularly good. You know, he's 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 making his case. He's I think he's trying to say Amber Heard is a liar, and maybe maybe to a lot of people will come off as better than he once was. Mm -hmm. But you know, I I think if the idea is is to get a path to starting and you know billion dollar franchises again uh, i'm not sure if this is going to do it
3: is he going to get the money
6: i uh, i i mean it's it's really early too early to tell i i mean i think it's pretty unlikely that he's gonna <laughs> wow. win because you know the jury has to find that uh ju- that that amber Heard's you know you know they just have to think is belie- believable beyond the reasonable doubt you know yeah. what i mean there has to be some semblance of of amber heard having some grounds to say that she was a victim of domestic violence and if the jury you know even believes believes that then you know he doesn't win the case but i do think like this very process of putting it under trial really being able to drag it out have people sit on the stand testify under oath on his behalf I, i think that also has some value of how the public sees him and how the public sees amber heard and i think that's also one of the goals here is for him to Lay this all out and quite literally make his case to the public.
0: So, about 30 seconds left. Do we think uh, how long do we think this trial is going to last? When is it supposed to end?
6: Um, so, uh, what I what I've heard is that uh, Johnny Depp plans to rest his side of the case uh, either end of this week or early next week, and it's, it's impossible to say how long Amber Heard will take to present her her defense. But I think uh, two three weeks is is, uh, is a pretty good guess.
3: Yeah, maybe just take a vacation from Hollywood. That could help. <laughs> OK, that was Jacob Shamsian, a legal correspondent at The Insider. Thank you again. Thanks for having me. Well, next up, Deborah Burks from Trump's COVID task force got grilled by CNN, who asked basically all the questions on all of our minds. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, it seems like someone finally grilled a former... COVID task force uh, Dr. Deborah Burks. you know a lot of people watched as she worked with Trump and just wondered why didn't she do anything I know that our Ryan here has been very annoyed at Burks in the past and you haven't no, I have. But like, I, I just uh, I remember we've had a lot of
0: conversations and you're just like, I'm always annoyed with that. And I'm about to go off of, with her explanation yeah. as
3: soon as we play it. So CNN anchor Brianna Keelar pressed Burks about a number of claims she makes in a new book about her experience with, with former President Trump and around COVID. And here's uh, the back and forth.
2: New um, from the experience I had seen in that White House, that if I had done that independently outside of the White House communications that I would no longer be in that White House. And there was only one person. I want to be very clear. There was only one person working on the coronavirus inside the White House where it was critical to make sure that things move forward. And I understand that I had to find another way to make sure my voice was heard. And this is just the reality. When I work on pandemics around the globe, it is you have to make these choices every day about how you're going to serve communities the best. And in, the, in my judgment, that was the best way to serve Americans at that time.
0: You know what's annoying to me? Mm-hmm. She's on a book tour right now. Yeah, She's promoting this book where she talks about her experience in the White House. I wonder the the amount of times as she continues to use excuses after excuse after excuse especially even being pressed on this moment about you had all of the opportunity to, to say something like if you felt like that was your judgment not to say anything then i'm questioning why you even have your license to be a medical physician a professional, yeah. or a professional at, at any point because at this point What what, what was a hill that you were willing to die on? Because if you continue to back Trump like you did, you lose credibility. And if you don't say something that ended up killing so many people... A, in you're this complicit. country, you're complicit, well, so, and that does once again go against your credibility. So, yeah, what which which road do you want to die on? And why do we feel like you you get to have this kind of like comeback tour because you're selling a book and you got nice, beautiful hair at this point,
3: and some good maybe some good uh, facials or and things.
0: another damn scarf that I'm tired of seeing. <laughs>
3: Well, th- do you think we were harder on her than Fauci? Or, no, I've yeah. been hard
0: on both of them. Yeah. But she really sat there. Now and she's when, doing the press tour, which is the. Because yeah. at least Fauci at some point, st- like actually, when him and Trump started to really have a lot of tension with yeah. each other, he at least started to speak. She took. She stood back behind Trump when he was talking about swallow bleach and do all of these things. And she. Now we're hearing about her experience. I don't want to hear about it. Tell those to tell that to the families who, who lost a loved one. Tell those to the friends who lost a loved one. Talk to like people who actually like had reper, like repercussions of your actions of not saying that no, this science was wrong. Now you want to write a book about it and get a payday? Who's gonna buy that? not me know,
3: it's awkward yeah we don't need to go through the experience again we already have lived through it we don't need to hear why you made bad decisions you should never
0: be able to practice any type of medicine or science ever again
3: okay well next up on the show Canada's canada census has revealed a snapshot of their trans community what the u.s can learn that and more next on what's Trending this hour
2: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
3: Yes, we're back and more music coming up right here on Channel Q, but right now we're getting into more show. So what is coming up on the show today? Well, um, we're going to be talking about the side hustle culture, how to get your side hustle on, how to make it work for you, and how it's actually changing the worker movement, the worker revolution right now. It's nothing really new, but we're going to have someone talk about the history around it as well in 30 minutes. Plus, the drama between Rob Kardashian and Black China that continues in court. So many former Hollywood couples in court right now. Well, two of them. But just oh, pretty
0: high-profile God, stuff happening. So much is going on. Why just, why don't celebrities realize we don't want to know their business?
3: <laughs> Except we'll report about it, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm going to tell if they're going to give me yep. their business, I'm going to talk about it. But I don't want to know about it like if I, you're not giving it to me.
3: <laughs> Let's get into some what's trending this hour right now. So Canada changed the question on last year's census, and it has resulted in a snapshot of their trans population with data released yesterday showing 0.33% of the country's 38.3 million people identify as a gender that differs from the sex they were assigned at birth. For the second time, Statistics Canada differentiated between sex at birth and gender in the census. While the agency and advocates agree that the new numbers likely underestimate the actual size of the population, they say the data will offer some really important insight into the community. So there you go, something to learn from Canada. Senator John Kennedy is giving his take on Twitter and the execs. There was this leaked internal communications by Twitter employees and are revealing that some of the workers there aren't so happy about Elon Musk's buying the platform. But here's what the Republican had to say.
4: Twitter is run by Wokers. Wokers represent the crank wing of the Democratic Party. Uh, Wokers, as I've said before, are easy to recognize. Most of them uh, eat food. Only fit for rabbits. They almost always enter a swimming pool by the stairs. They also don't believe in free speech. I do, which means I respect the right of the Wokers to have their opinion.
3: Wokers. The Wokers. Who's
0: eating food meant for rabbits?
3: I mean, you do say that, admit to me.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, <laughs> that is true, I guess. The vegans. Well, guess what? You're putting a bad name out there for us all. <laughs> I'm sorry. With your rabbit food.
3: Uh, the FDA announced today a proposed ban on menthol cigarettes and all flavors and cigars. And it's gonna, a move that could further drive down smoking rates in the U.S. Smoking is actually the main cause of lung cancer, according to the CDC.
0: Oh, my God. Speaking of menthol cigarettes, I watched Russian Doll season mm-hmm. two. It was phenomenal, Shira. I, I How did you not like it?
3: No, I said I liked it. I just start, I started watching it. I just didn't continue watching it because I ended up then starting to watch *Invincible*. Oh, I thought you
0: didn't like it. No, I no. Was like, she's I started insane. like
3: uh, yeah, I started watching it. it. She's it an all. amazing actress. I literally
0: watched. It although all. she
3: always plays just a neurotic kind of woman, but she's it was really good.
0: Incredible. It was an incredible show. Well, season two blew it out
3: the um, water. In the U.S., menthol cigarettes represent over a third of cigarette sales with almost 19 million users. And according to this article from ABC News, black Americans have disproportionately high rates of menthol smoking, a consequence of years of racially targeted advertising. Not wild. All right, that's what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
0: Well, as Shira mentioned, Rob Kardashian took the stand yesterday in this long trial between the Kardashians and black China. Rob, um, it's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Rob Kardashian claims that ex-fiancee, Black China beat him with a metal rod and pulled a gun on him during a December 2016 brawl. So in this ongoing battle, um, testimony started. Um, basically, the Kardashian-Jenner's uh, Rob testified on Wednesday that his relationship with China was violent from the start. But alleged that the mother of his child beat him and threatened to kill him. Um, he started off by, you know, saying the night of December 14, 2016, started off with them joking around on those social media with both of them posting video footage of them kissing and laughing. Inside the courtroom, video was shown of Rob waving bands of a hundred bills, hundred dollar bills, and throwing it at China with the model looking pleased. But the night alleged allegedly became violent, with the discord lasting until the next morning. Rob alleged that China pulled a gun on him twice and hit him with a metal rod, scratched him, and stuck struck him with an iPhone cord. Oh, my
3: God.
0: Yeah, girl. When uh, China's attorney um, basically said, well, why didn't you show any bruising in videos recorded after the incident? He said this. She landed several blows on my body with the metal rod, but not everyone is going to bruise just because someone hit you. It doesn't leave a mark when I had a gun to my temple, the cord around my neck, I'm sure that left a mark, but no, I didn't need a Band-Aid. This is like, wow, he said he was in a very low and the weakest point of his life when he first started speaking to China, but at the time he was still single and was also messaging other women.
3: Oh, that's horrible.
0: That's what T-Report. We got other stories coming up next hour. Sorry, that was intense. All
3: right. Uh, next up, Laura Ingram is getting roasted after her student loan forgiveness post. What she had to share and why people are calling her out next. Let's go there with Shira
2: and Ryan. Channel
3: Q. As the Biden administration continues to go in circles around how they want to approach student loan debt forgiveness, Fox News' Laura Ingram is jumping into the conversation. She tweeted this, and it's getting a lot of heat. Okay, she said, My mom worked as a waitress until she was 73 to help pay for our college even helped with loan repayment. Loan forgiveness is just another insult to those who play by the rules. Okay, and joining us right now is Qasim Rashid, a human rights lawyer, host of the Qasim Rashid show on SiriusXM channel 126. I actually saw one of his posts and uh, tweets about this whole debate that it's continues to spark online. And I said, I got to get him on the show. Thanks for being here.
7: It's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
3: So it just seems like you're on one side or the other. Uh, you're either the person that wants this or doesn't. And the big, uh, ca- the big argument that comes up is, I had to pay this, so you should go through this too. What is your take on that?
7: Well, I think it's absurd and selfish because the whole point about playing by the rules, the people who did pay, uh, you know, take out these loans, played by the rules, and the rules were shifted on them. Uh, you know, students were told, "Hey, if you want to stop earning minimum wage." Go to college, get a job, and it'll pay for the salary. Well, tuition rates increase four times faster than salaries. Minimum wage has been suppressed, again, for the last decade-plus. Wages in general have been suppressed. And so when you want to talk about playing by the rules, let's be consistent. Why has the government bailed out $10 trillion in corporate bailouts over the last 40 years? Why did we give billionaires a $1.7 trillion tax cut? Um, why did farmers get a major bailout last year after the Trump tariffs, I'm sorry, two years ago. So, you know, it, it seems so selective to me that they want to talk about working people playing by the rules, but anytime billionaires screw up and go trillions in debt, there's a magical bailout waiting for them to happen. It's time to bail out the working people and reform our tuition and education system so that we don't have perpetual massive debt for the crime of wanting to get a higher education.
0: Yeah, I think what everything you're saying is completely right, um, but I think a lot of times a conversation, uh, a lot of people think this conversation is generational, right? Like an older generation feels like they don't, you know, this shouldn't happen, but according to a new Harvard poll, um, Harvard University poll that was done by the Public Opinion Project, it said about 85% of uh, 18 to 29-year-olds were surveyed and said that they favor some form of government action on student loan debt, but only 38% of of, of favor total debt collection. Why do you feel that even like a younger generation, a, a large amount of them, according to this poll, feels that cancellation is not the way to go?
7: Well, was this poll of Harvard University students?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, we yeah. Could have a good discussion I mean, uh, there too. Yeah.
7: yeah, I mean, I mean, Harvard University is about as representative of the American public uh, as. Um, uh, uh, they're not representative of the American public. Look, you know, Harvard is a school that's it's a great school, but remember, you know, 43% of their white students are legacy admission students who came from wealth, who came from parents who had gone to school before, and 73% of them wouldn't have gotten into school on their own anyway. So I don't think that's an accurate representation. But you talk about this being generational, and you make up a really good point. If you look at when Joe Biden graduated law school back in 1968, the average four-year college was three percent of your annual income. That's it, just three percent. Now it's ten percent of your I'm sorry, twenty percent oh, of your wow. annual income. And so, you know, when you talk about tuition rates exponentially increasing like that as salaries being suppressed, that's a raw deal. That's a broken system. You know, home ownership, the median home mm-hmm. went from, you know, seventeen thousand to now three hundred thousand. Wages haven't increased thirty fold, but home prices have. And so all working people are asking for is a fair shake. We want the, the, the same deal that the middle class got back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. That's not too much to ask for. We need to get away from this trickle-down scam and ask you tax billionaires, whether it's a wealth tax or marginal tax, the same way we did in the mid-20th century where we had the strongest middle class in U.S. history, and make education an affordable, practical pathway to moving up not a punishment for the crime of wanting to get a higher education.
3: I mean, yeah, everything you're saying, I'm like, yep, yep. But uh, I was going to just say, isn't there something we can learn from all all the other countries that have figured it out, or have they?
7: Look, uh, you're exactly right. I mean, mean, there's no such thing as this kind of massive student loan debt in other countries. Um, They incentivize higher education. They incentivize uh, investing in yourself and, and and look, the fact of the matter is that this is not a cost issue the United States is by far the wealthiest country on earth the problem is that it's also one of the most uh, economically and wealth uh, uh, unequal in terms of how those finances are allocated you know back in the 1940s through the 80s the marginal tax rate was up to ninety four percent which means that after you earn a certain threshold I think at that time that was the equivalent of two million today then you have up to 90% of your, tax, uh, your income tax beyond that. Yeah. So you you still would be a multimillionaire uh, and have more money than you would ever need, right. but the higher taxes would, would then go pay for things like public school and roads and schools and buses and highways, things that we still need now. So it's not that we don't yeah. have the money. It's that we don't have the priority to invest in the working class because we're too beholden to these billionaires who keep buying these politicians.
0: So we have about 30 seconds left, but I, I want to kind of uh, wrap this conversation with a thought And maybe even to pick your brain a little bit, I wonder, do we do we think this country is uh, to think that everyone is going to have the same take on capitalism and and where we, you know, just general like great humanity for everyone. Right. This you kind of utopian thought of like making sure we're all here for each other. I feel like this country has proved that we're not in that space to ever really even get to that space so really how should we be looking at these conversations in terms of what it really looks like in terms of talking about um you know can debt cancellation student loan debt cancellation and how i don't think it's really going to be one thing that makes everyone happy right
7: well there's no one policy that's going to make everyone happy but the, the polling from the general public i've seen shows a consistent 60 or higher a number of Americans support canceling student debt. And again, you know, the cancellation is just one element of it. I want to emphasize that. It's also about reforming tuition to make sure it doesn't exceed inflation. It's also about making sure that loans are at zero or 1%. And it's also about making four-year public college free. We do those four things, then not only will we solve this problem, we'll boost our economy, boost the middle class, and make sure we don't fall into this trap in the future as well.
3: Wow. All right. That was Qasim Rashid, human rights lawyer. Check out his show host. Uh, he's the host of the Qasim Rashid show on Sirius XM channel 126. We appreciate it. We hope to have you back.
7: Absolutely. Uh, appreciate the invite.
3: Yeah. I'll see you on Twitter. OK, well, next up on the show, we're talking about side hustles, how to find your side hustle and, you know, manage it all. Is it like is it sustainable to have that and do everything else? Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan channel Q side hustles. Are you ready to talk about it? There's been an unexpected explosion in side hustles. So what does that mean for the future of work in the economy? Well, I would say like the king of side hustle. He literally has a company called side hustle nation. Nick Loper joins us right now. Thanks for joining us.
8: Thanks for having me.
3: Okay. So tell us when this all began. I mean, when did your adventure in side hustles start?
8: My adventures in side hustle started almost probably even before I got my first corporate job. Uh, it was like, I just don't know if I want to be the person climbing that corporate ladder. So I was always looking for a way out, which thankfully for me was it took three years of nights and weekends, but was able to make it happen and have been uh, trying to spread the gospel of this lower risk brand of entrepreneurship almost ever since.
0: So the interesting thing about this is side hustle culture, I feel like, is something that i I don't know if it was coined by millennials the gig economy because it's not new for one person to have multiple jobs (laughs) you know it it feels like especially with inflation that's kind of the way that it is when did you see it kind of take off in this way um to where we see it now
8: yeah, it's definitely not new, and I definitely didn't invent the term. You know, maybe maybe millennials branded it, but in previous generations, it would have been called moonlighting. And there's, but there's a difference between a side hustle and a second job in the sense that there's this entrepreneurial connotation, or there's this uh, profit potential upside that delivering pizzas or bartending as a second job doesn't necessarily have. So definitely accelerated uh, post. Uh, great Recession and has continued to to be a thing. I think there's a couple of factors for that. One being the uh, just necessity, economic necessity, where real-time wages haven't kept pace with cost of living. And then on the flip side, we see the possibility. We see what's out there. We see everybody's highlight reels on social media and saying, I want to do something like that. And so the combination of those two things really have uh, created a, a sweet spot for entrepreneurship.
3: I guess, is this going to create more innovation? According to this article, it also also could lower prices. Like, what's the impact of the side hustle culture on the economy and, uh, you know, any sort of work revolution?
6: It's
8: exciting because a lot of the name brand companies that uh you know are on the fortune 500 a lot of them started you know famously in people's garages they started low risk they started really small and so anytime you have an explosion in entrepreneurship like we're seeing today like you know 5 10 15 years down the road that's a really good thing for innovation for uh job creation for all sorts of metrics it's uh, it's an interesting time to be here the I don't know about lowering prices. We're, I mean, we would, I would love to see some lowering prices across a lot of different areas with the inflation that we're seeing. it's uh, There's a Bezos quote from Amazon. He says, you know, your margin is my opportunity. And so it's like, ah, that's kind of a call to say, well, maybe there is an opportunity to lower prices uh, as more and more competition comes into the fold.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about the dark side or the other side of side hustle culture, because I do think it – Uh, creates um, a a culture where people feel like they have to go, 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 and and, and to fuel capitalism. Do you think about that when you're, even in how you navigate side hustle um, culture? Because it it can be a lot. It can be very stressful if you're only thinking about working and paying your bills and nothing else.
8: Oh, totally. The last thing that you need is a second job that you hate. And there's uh, definitely the possibility of, burning out, and that's not a great place to be in. And it's kind of this paradox, right, where we see right now record low unemployment, but then you pair that with almost two-thirds of households living paycheck to paycheck, and there's you know 40-something percent of households don't have this $1,000 emergency fund. So it's a really weird place to be in, but I think you have to be aware of that and give yourself time to relax and recharge to the extent that you can without just working yourself 24-7. It's just not sustainable.
3: Yeah, and hopefully it's something that you you really love. What tips do you have if someone's interested in creating a side hustle?
8: The big thing, you know, a lot of people will look um, internally at themselves. Well, what skills do I have? What do I love doing? What's my passion? I think you got to kind of flip that around and look for pains and problems that you can solve. And maybe you can solve them with your skills and expertise and passions. Like, fantastic. But really in the economy people are paying money to make problems go away much easier to sell pain pills than it is to sell vitamins in that sense so thinking about what uh, you know what problems have you overcome in your own life what do people naturally ask you for help with already like what do you have some perceived expertise in and just you know what do, what do people complain about i sometimes go through a uh, what i call the what sucks exercise which is just a notes app on my phone writing down everything that bothers me over the course of the day everything other people complain to me about because on the other side of those annoyances there might be a business opportunity to to take advantage of look
3: at that all right well that was nick loper from side hustle nation check it out sidehustlenation.com we appreciate it and uh we hope you enjoy the rest of your day and your side hustle whatever it is or many
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right coming up speaking of side hustles what this guy did to get $7000 it's kind of gross Let's go there
2: with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: What would you do for $7,000? Well, this guy, Jake Ebertz, he's 26. He agreed to drink a life-threatening mix of uh, this cloudy, salty liquid containing Shigella bacteria, which are usually found in people's feces. Um... Yes, he downed the shot glass amount of the liquid, knowing it would produce a miserable case of disen- uh, dissent. And Terry?
0: What what it was? For is the he, sake of research.
3: This? It was research. He was part of an eleven day inpatient trial at the University of Maryland in an attempt to test the effectiveness of the Shigella vaccine and received a payday of seven thousand dollars in exchange. So he was a completely healthy adult and he basically gave himself this so he would experience it. He says it was the worst eight hours of his life.
0: What's the Shigella what is the Shigella vaccine? Shigella. I didn't even know we were looking for another vaccine. It's a
3: bacteria so Yes, there's we always looking. so
0: much research happening medically. You know, I know, but well, I wouldn't. That's it, why I, I is, never sign up to do something. It's
3: called like this. by shigellosis. Um, they ha- basically, it, most people with the infection have diarrhea, sometimes bloody fever, stomach cramps. Basically, it's like a, a bad flu, um, and the symptoms begin one to two days after infection, last seven days.
0: You know, anytime we ever do a poop story, it's as fault. I'm just, I just want you all to know that I just want you to know, out out of the both of us, she's probably nine times out of ten the one that picked the poop story. Meanwhile, do you know
3: how he found out about this? It was an ad on Instagram. He got targeted on Instagram saying, Shigella vaccine study. Dysentery is caused by a bacteria called Shigella. Help us prevent that.
0: Like, Little why? did he know
3: he why? would have to drink something really disgusting in order uh to help and others $7,000
0: doesn't even feel like enough how much would you how much money would it have taken for you to do this Oh my god! how much put a number out there maybe oh put a number out there
3: maybe um oh I would have uh as much as a bitcoin cost so if
0: I, I don't what girl it's like $40,000 Okay, that's a number. Like didn't for 40, a number. Why did you just say a number? Why did you just? Go- I was thinking about it. Oh my god, I would, I would go around. Actually, 50. I would go around. No, I would go around hundred k. Oh yeah, I mean that makes to be sense. Incompa- like, shows how
3: we negotiate. For eight hours? I'm like, I would do it for fifty thousand.
0: <laughs> you not even fifty. You said forty. <laughs> 40 <God.
3: laughs> I need you to be negotiating my deals. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. More music coming up right here on Channel Q.
0: We're trying to decide if She really no. likes Elon Musk or not.
3: I, you know, we we've had I thoughts about really him. Has. I, I, I used to appreciate his entrepreneurship and You're what he like, has been doing, but okay recently like no, recently I'm kind of like uh I mean, it's starting to get worse and worse.
0: It I mean, Did you yeah. see
3: what he tweeted about Coca-Cola last night? Yeah, I, I'm I saw gonna a buy lot of the Unhinged buy t- Twitter uh you know what's it called? Twitter rant. He said he wanted to buy Coca Cola, and if he does, he's going to add cocaine back to it.
0: Did yeah. it? All, did it already have cocaine in it
3: when it started? It did said, it?
0: I didn't know that. I didn't. Is that is that Coca Cola's origin story?
3: <laughs>
0: what? Wait, I need I to look at pretty. The, no, I've been to the Coca Cola Museum, and that is not a part yes, of it. Yes,
3: cocaine was legal in 1885 when Coca Cola was first brewed, and its original formula contained the drug in the form of a coca, coca leaf extract.
0: Oh, so it's not like the it, actual like business. Well, it's uh, an
3: extract of what becomes coke. Anyway, or like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an expert at this stuff. Okay, let's get into some what's trending this hour. President Biden has nominated another slate of federal judicial judges, and this time, if confirmed, the U.S. could have its first Hispanic woman to ever serve on a U.S. district court for the District of Columbia, and the court's first openly LGBTQ person, yes, early yes, queen, Anna C. Reyes is going to be making history. She's a partner in D.C. at a law firm where she's worked since 2001. She focuses on cross-border litigation, international arbitration. And, yeah, she's uh, an immigrant born in Uruguay, moved to Louisville, Kentucky, and now she um, would be openly gay, um, also first Hispanic woman. So, amazing. Good job to her. All right. Yes. All right. Moving on to Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who... uh, took her time to invite Elon Musk to a roundtable at the Capitol with a few of her favorites.
5: I am cautiously optimistic about the prospects for Twitter now that Elon Musk has taken over. I don't know Mr. Musk, but I do invite him to come talk with me in Washington, D.C. I'd be happy to put together a roundtable of all the most brilliant people who have been unjustly banned from Twitter and he can see for himself the urgent necessity of doing right by them,
3: which we all hope he will, as he has stated that he believes in free speech. I am cautiously optimistic about... Please, the... please. So everyone was kind of joking around like, oh, who's she going to bring? Like, Alex Jones, uh, this, that guy Milo Yanopoulos, you know, the, the gay Yiannopoulos. Republican... yanopoulos <laughs> Everyone we, that, we he's miss. He's like Voldemort. Jump. We don't say his name. Yeah, I've heard this. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, I guess I'll talk more about this next hour. How yeah, this uh, This one district. I have news. Uh, school district in Texas is making their teachers sign NDAs. And I'll tell you why next hour. <laughs> that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news?
0: Woo! It feels like an early yes queen. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending <laughs> <laughs> right now. James Corden will no longer host the Late Late Whoa. Show on CBS come summer 2023. The British actor-turned-broadcaster has just extended his current contract with the network for one more year. Officially, um, he took over the desk at um, in March 2015. He said, it's been... It's uh, it's been, it's a really hard decision to leave because I'm so imme- I'm immensely proud of the show. I'm thrilled to be extending for a year. I always thought I'd do it for five years and then leave, and then I stayed on. I've really been thinking about it for a long time, thinking whether there might be one more adventure. Um, and so yeah, girl, he's gone. You know, he's you know, a lot of, it's what? crazy. A lot of people don't actually like James Corden.
3: He's had his moments, including me. Yeah. He was also one of those. Like I feel like he came on the scene. Him. He came on the scene. I was like, oh he's such he's a j- jolly sweet
0: man. And of course he's British. I feel like people say that about me. I'm annoying.
3: Jolly sweet men that are actually evil.
0: Literally me. I uh, feel like that is like the perfect way to describe me on, in under like five words.
3: Now you've heard it, this will be on
0: tape. Th- I've always owned up <laughs> today.
3: Yeah. But I well, mean, I wonder who's gonna take a spot.
0: Maybe me. Hey,
3: go for it. They need some representation.
0: I, I would love to do late night. I feel like I would be very good at late night.
3: I know. I think I agree. You, you
0: are not a I'm down for the Your voice says you're great, but her facial expression <laughs> says otherwise.
3: I was. I I love that you put that out there. It's bold. It's a bold one. You
0: don't think I can do it?
3: I think you could do it. Or maybe mean, we'll be looking back at this recording. You like watch this me is be twenty doing my uh, first Twenty twenty two.
0: I'm taking over carpool 20, karaoke.
3: Twenty fifty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's your tea report. I got more coming up next hour.
3: And if you are. I better be nope. there with you.
0: Nope. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll do an NFT segment for her every Tuesday.
3: Oh, oh once a week? What? NFT <laughs> segment. That's what I get. <laughs> Bitch. Oh, I
0: thought well, you, you could say that. You can't say it, but I get you know, just a case.
3: Okay. we are going to be like, what happened? Okay. Next up on the show, I'm so excited. We have the first openly trans NCAA division athlete, Skylar Baylor, joining us after this to talk about everything uh, that he's up to, how he's you know sharing uh, many messages for the trans community and like teaching people why we need to be fighting for this cause right now. And he recently partnered with the HRC, so more next.
2: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Skylar Baylor is a male swimmer and was the first openly trans NCAA division athlete to compete in 2015. We recently featured him on our Yaz Queen of the Day for his epic Instagram videos, Breaking Down the Conservative Lies. Yes Queen. Yep. And he joins us now on Let's Go There, bringing our Yaz Queen to life.
0: Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Oh, my God. One thing she forgot to mention when we did Yes Queen, I talked about, like, literally how attractive you are for, like, five minutes. (laughs)
1: So you're welcome. Well, I'm flattered. Thank you.
3: <laughs> you're just that doing... Makes one of us. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know you're a hottie. Come on. So, so, I mean, you've been doing so much. Of course, you've been a professional swimmer, but now you've been also taking to social media to speak out about everything that's happening. Why was that so important well, for you?
6: Yeah, I mean, so I I didn't
1: see anybody else like me when I was first coming out and openly transgender. Um, swimmer and athlete and so my first and foremost goal was to really say hey this is possible um, to show that I exist not me as a Skylar Baylor but me as a openly transgender Korean American queer athlete right Um, and when I when I began seeing all of the hatred that that, that was out there I mean we've you know we've been experiencing this for a lot a while it's just um, the, the new part is the legislative bills, um, I, I, I have, you know, it's only natural that I spoke out about it. And, um, you know, it, it's something I haven't even thought twice about.
0: Yeah. And even in your own personal career, uh, because you've been able to accomplish so much, what do you say to people who feel like, especially in the political conversation, that trans folks in sports are a threat at this point?
1: Yeah, there's a number of things I could say, and we could sit here and talk for, you know, five hours on that, but I'll say a couple quick things. The first thing is that most people are very uneducated when they say that, right? Most people have no idea what they're talking about, and if they do have some idea, they're usually being lied to with propaganda from the media. Um, And and I don't mean like a little lie. I mean like like a straight up, like trying to call, um, you know, black uh, blue. (laughs) Like we're talking about like completely, completely straight up lies. Um, so I, the first thing I really ask people is, what do you think that you know? What do you think are the facts? And a lot of times they will, they will repeat to me things that are complete lies. Um, but kind of the, the, the more potential um, tense conversations can come less from that because lies are per- perhaps easy to dispel depending on who you are. Um, but a lot of people have really strong knee-jerk reactions. And what I always tell people is you're allowed to feel however you feel. Um, We all are are raised in a a misogynistic, racist, white supremacist, transphobic world. So are we going to have biases? Of course. And we actually should expect to have these biases. Having the bias isn't the thing that's bad. Not fighting the bias Mm. is the thing that's bad. And so I think that's a really, really key point is we all have to start from the understanding that, of course, we are going to have these knee-jerk reactions. Of course, we're going to feel things. And we should welcome the feelings, but we should really be open to the facts as well.
3: Yeah, and I just encourage everyone to go check out your Instagram at pinkmantaray right now because your videos and posts are just incredible. Now, you also teamed up with 300, yeah 300 current and former NCAA swimmers in a letter of support uh, for Leah Thomas. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's just been so much hatred and vitriol against Leah and I, I know personally, you know, what, what a fraction of that feels like having experienced a, um, some, of, some, some hate on my own, um, but I just, I knew that there was so much more support than we were reading about, and the reason I knew that was because people were telling me. People consistently, and I, I had national-level athletes, Olympic-level athletes, college-level athletes saying, hey, I know you, you know Leah Skyler, can you tell her we love and support her? Um, and when I, when I started hearing that, and then I read about the amount of hatred and, and vitriol that was being perpetrated against Leah, I thought people need to hear that this is not all that's out there. This there's actually a lot of people that support her. Um, And so I, I said, hey, folks, if you support her, sign this letter. And so many people did. Right. And so many uh, high level um, NCAA and even and, and beyond Olympic level, national team level uh, swimmers signed to say, hey, we support Leah yeah, and, and I, other trans athletes.
0: <laughs> well, I, I love the visibility that you have and I, I love the visibility that so many, um, you know, trans athletes have. But I always wonder on the flip side of these things, having that level of visibility, even though the work that you do is impactful. Is it a lot? Can it be a, a lot to take on, especially being in the center of fighting for these rights? And I just want to know, how, how do you take care of yourself in that process?
1: Yeah, I mean, the short answer is, of, of course, it's a lot, right? Of course, it's, it's a very heavy burden to bear. And I think any, any person who is marginalized and fighting for that marginalized group in the public eye um, who has a lot of visibility probably feels that pressure, right? I think most people, they'd be lying to themselves if they didn't. Um, and, and it can be really hard to take care of our mental health. And I will, I will just say very openly, I have cried every single day for the past several months because it's been so devastating, you know? And there's many times and moments where I don't feel hopeful, where I don't feel optimistic, where I am really, really just sad um, and I think kind of going back to one of the initial things that I just that I said about dispelling lies right now, unfortunately, we're in a place where facts seem to not matter. I mean, most recently, the governor of Florida posted, a, um, you know, that the Department of Health released some anti-trans statement basically saying that we shouldn't provide any gender affirming care to any any youth. And he cited the, or not he specifically, but the Department of Health cited several sources. And if you click on them and read them, they actually support trans people. So even we, we're getting to the point where. Where When I say facts don't matter, people are going even beyond that. It's it's crazy. Um, And so that can be crazy making (laughs) as somebody trying to say, hey, here are the facts. All Mm -hmm. major medical, psychological, and psychiatric associations support trans people and support providing us with the appropriate life-saving care. Um, And so it's heavy, absolutely heavy. And I really have Mm -hmm. to lean into the people that I have around me who do support me. I have to turn off my phone. Um, Right before this, I was doing a workout. That's a really big way that I connect Mm -hmm. with myself, my body, my Mm -hmm. friends. Um, and I, I have to take the time to support myself and I have to let myself cry. Right. And sometimes it's not just crying. It's like, you know, letting out the emotion it's ranting, it's talking to people, but I really have to honor that this is really hard. Um, and I want to say that I do that with an immense amount of privilege. Right? I have privilege of parents who support me of people around me who support me I am housed I live in a, in a home that, that I am abil- that I have the ability to pay for right all these things are immense privileges and so many other trans and queer and bipoc people black indigenous people of color don't have these privileges so that's that's what I'm fighting for right is to make sure that people who even People get the privileges that I have, first of all, that everybody has access to health care and to to living um, and support. But but beyond that, that we have rights, especially as trans and queer people.
3: Oh, my God. Well, thank you so much for being here. And again, uh, we, we have to wrap, but I want to encourage everyone to check out your Instagram and also the video you just launched with the human rights campaign. It's on your Instagram as well. Just go to at yes, Pink yeah. Thank you so much. We really hope to have you back.
1: Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it.
3: All right, that was uh, Swimmer and uh, the NCAA Division Athlete, um, the first openly trans athlete in 2015 to compete. Just amazing to have you here. Skylar Baylor, thank you again. Now coming up next on the show, How to Stop Obsessing Over a Mistake at Work. According to experts, we're here to help after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, it seems like QAnoners are jumping on Elon Musk's latest tweet, the QAnon believers are decoding his latest posts. So after he announced his purchase of Twitter on Monday, um, you know, a lot of people, of course, were saying this ushers in a new era of free speech on the platform. Uh, You know, the the left was... Obviously, freaking out. Well, what was
0: super annoying about Elon Musk, like last night, or yeah, I believe it was last night. He was like tweeting all this random stuff. It was just like, did he just buy Twitter to be annoying? Like, because you could have just done that for free. <laughs> hey. You didn't have to spend forty four billion just to start r- tweeting random crap.
3: It's a bit of the trolling <laughs> part just of an it. Idiots. Like, just let me put in in your face how
0: rich. Like I we am. said before, if you have forty four billion dollars and you decide to buy Twitter, you make bad decisions.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, Biden just sent $33 billion to help Ukraine. Look where that money went. And $44 billion went to Twitter. Did you just
0: compare Elon Musk and Biden? Just meaning
3: what happens when you like put your money, like that much money could have helped. Who that's, knows? Not, well,
0: that's not Joe Biden. That's the difference. It's not, that's not Joe Biden's money. That's just the country's money that he can control. Elon Musk spent his money. <laughs> I hear you. To buy Twitter. Well, Not even I would do that, and I love Twitter.
3: Yeah, I mean, I would I would be really proud of you if you had that much money.
0: Who knows? Do, what if I do? <laughs> Late night show, forty four billion dollars. What if I, I is do? What you are literally sitting across from like Good. Richie Rich? I hope you take care of me. <laughs> <laughs> you will, yeah. You'll be taken care
3: of. <laughs> Thanks. Never have to work a day in her no, Hey. Okay. All right. So it was interesting because he tweeted on Tuesday, Elon Musk, uh, that Truth Social, you know, Trump's social media platform, was ahead of Twitter. Top number one social media platform. Anyway, so 17 minutes later, he tweeted um, about uh, Truth Social. Terrible name. Exists because Twitter censored free speech. Should be called Trumpet instead. They said 17. That's the QAnon number. This is a sign he's talking to us. Anyway, the crazy stuff that goes on on the internet for you. Just thought would break that all down if you were
0: wondering. But next up, Disney's. At res- least we're not the QAnon.
3: Yeah, no, thank God. That's true. We get asked a lot, but FYI, we're not.
0: (laughs) I'm going to start saying yes and just see what people say. I just want to know what their reaction would be, because when people ask, it's just like, of course not. But I'm going to be like, actually, yeah. Do you believe (laughs) in the the Pizzagate scam, Hillary Clinton? Oh, my God.
3: Okay, let's uh, get into so much trending this hour after this. Disney's response to Saudi Arabia, who wants to cut out an LGBTQ scene once again in their latest movie. More next. Let's go there with Shira
2: and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Welcome back to the show. More
2: music coming up right here
3: on Channel Q. Right. <laughs> coming up, President Biden pardoned 78 people. Uh, it's the first in his presidency. We learn more about who some of those people are, their stories. It's really wild to hear more about them and how it could impact prison reform moving forward. That is in 30 minutes with the Washington Post. Plus, why this Oscar-nominated actor is taking a break from acting. That's in the T report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Saudi Arabia has asked Disney to cut LGBTQ references from Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness before it can be streamed streamed in the kingdom. They denied earlier, reports that the film has been banned, though. Disney has so far declined the requested edits to the Doctor Strange sequel slated for release around the world next week. The cuts amount to barely 12 seconds in which a lesbian character, America Chavez, refers to her two moms. And that's it. She refers to her two moms. They want to ban that. Well, Disney doesn't seem to be giving in, so that's a good thing. Now, President Biden has asked Congress for an additional $33 billion to help Ukraine uh, for economic and humanitarian aid to support their response to the Russian invasion. Here he is today.
4: It's critical this funding gets approved and approved as quickly as possible. You know, long before Russia launched, launched its brutal invasion, I, uh, I made clear how the United States would respond predicted they would invade, and uh, they surely did. We said we'd not send U.S. troops to fight Russian troops in Ukraine, but we would provide robust military assistance and try to unify the Western world against Russia's aggression. I said I would impose powerful sanctions on Russia, and that we'd destroy and develop, we destroy this myth that somehow they could continue to move without the rest of the world acting that we deploy additional forces to defend NATO territory, particularly in the east, along the Russian and Belarus borders. That's exactly that's exactly what we said we would do. And we did. But despite the disturbing rhetoric coming out of the Kremlin, the facts are plain for everybody to see. We're not attacking Russia. We're helping Ukraine defend itself against Russian aggression. And just as Putin chose to launch this brutal invasion, he could make the choice to end this brutal invasion. Russia is the aggressor. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Russia is the aggressor, and the world must and will hold Russia accountable. Russia continues assault on uh, as yielding immense human cost. We've seen...
3: Now, the Oklahoma House gave final approval today to a Texas-style abortion ban that prohibits the procedure after about six weeks of pregnancy before many women actually know that they're pregnant. Governor Kevin who is expected to sign the bill within days it's dubbed the oklahoma heartbeat act and it prohibits abortions once cardiac activity can be detected in the fetus which experts say is roughly six weeks into a pregnancy now a similar bill approved in texas last year led to a drastic reduction in the number of abortions performed in that state sending a lot of women seeking the procedure to oklahoma and other surrounding states that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
0: Okay. So let's talk Andrew Garfield because apparently he's uh, quitting acting. Yeah. Oh. Not my boyfriend. Damn. It's, it's not even report. a break. It's a quit. It's Well, let's find out more. It's a T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Andrew Garfield just needs a little break. Um, he recently said that he plans to step away from acting for now, following a busy star, uh, busy year, starring in several high-profile projects. If you didn't know, he was in Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, and he nabbed an Oscar nomination for Tick, Tick, Boom. He also stars in the FX series Under the Banner of Heaven, which premieres April 28th. Um, so he told Variety that he's like, I'm going to rest for a little bit. I need to recalibrate and reconsider what I want to do next and who I want to be. And just be a bit of a person for hmm. a while. Uh, he also compared the award season to turning, uh, to a churning washing machine, suggesting he needed rest and recuperation after it. He said, I just need to be a, a bit ordinary for a while, which I can appreciate that. Totally. He was on The View today, though, and he said, yeah, I don't know why everyone's saying that I'm quitting. I just need to take a break.
3: Like, I'm human. I've been working on yeah. Stop.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling burnt out. Yeah, and he has to, like, continue the lifestyle for both of us, you know? We like to travel, and we like to, like, you know, kiss underneath the mm. Parisian sky. He's a
3: very romantic type. I know. He has that He's vibe. my
0: boyfriend. Is he dating
3: anyone besides you?
0: I hope not. <laughs> no. I'm in a monogamous relationship the last time I thought.
3: I thought you were into, into that.
0: <laughs> I said I would be willing to explore it. But that hasn't been brought up.
3: Andrew Garfield, girlfriend. Why are you looking up girlfriend? I hope my boyfriend's not listening to the show right now.
0: (laughs) I hope he is, (laughs) so he can hear this. That's your T-Report. We got more (laughs) on the website. Head over there, wearechannelq.com. And, of course, you can check out any of the headlines we have covered on today's show as well. Thanks so much.
3: Okay, well, next up, the Laura Ingram post about student loans that has everyone dragging her Next.
1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits will well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive.